Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. We, uh, we seem to live in a culture that uh, puts a lot of emphasis on physical beauty. So I wanted to kick off this morning with this question. So where does true beauty come from? And I think it's a great question because I think a lot of us really want to know the secret to that. And, and, you know, television is, is full of ways, things, products that uh, is there to enhance the physical. I mean, there's all kind of hair products, right? Hello? Not like I use them, but, I mean, there's all kind of hair products out there that, you know, there's things that you twist hair, curl hair. I don't even know what you're doing with your hair, but it does something. And you can mash a button. Some of that stuff's electrical, which I think is pretty cool. I can see me hanging myself is what I can see pretty much. And there's all kind of makeup. So I've always been fascinated. I just, you know, watched, you know, with the stuff that they spray on. Y'all seen that one? <laughs> I think it's like spraying a car, you know. <laughs> I mean, there's just more and more emphasis on what can we do to make the outside more beautiful. I, I think we just, we want to know. Like, you know, where'd you get those abs? Like, you have some awesome Awesome abs. Where'd you get those abs? And, and so someone might say, well, you know, abs are actually made in the kitchen. It's not, it's not the special ab machines. It's not, it's not what you do at the gym. It's not the hard work you put in at the gym. It's really mostly what you eat. And I think that word mostly is a key word because according to a lot of those different infomercials, and it really isn't about diet at all. You know, all you need is, is that super-duper ab thing that they've got for sale, on sale, three easy payments, five easy payments of $100, I don't know. I mean, you know, for a small fortune, you know, you can have these abs. And have you seen the one that it's like it's something you strap on, you, you wear it, and then you mash a button and, like, it shocks you? And my first thought is, dude, why, I don't, I'm allergic to pain. Why, why would anybody want to do that? But, you know, they say that you can wear it anywhere, anytime. I might have on one right now. You don't even know it. I don't. I've never had one. Yeah, I've never had one. You don't have to worry about, uh, you don't have to worry about that. But if you wear it, it's just supposed to magically build beautiful sculptured abs. And that'd be nice. And we know that doesn't work, really. It's a combination th of things, right? I think that's what we've learned. I mean, we're smart people. We've come a long way, right, in the last few years. And so it's a combination of eating right and exercising. It's, it's a combination of those two things. But then the next big question is, I remember a few years ago for me, I thought, well, I, I kind of know how to eat. I kind of know how to exercise. So it's a balance of the two. But what is the balance of the two? And how do you find the balance of the two? Anyway, we're talking about where true beauty comes from because it's not necessarily where you think it would be. So let's jump into 1 Peter chapter 3. And this very first phrase, these first four words 
are so much more powerful than you think. Here's what he says. In the same way, in the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. And all the husbands said, you scared, you scared, go ahead. <laughs> Some smart men in here right now. I'm just saying, I ain't saying anything. <clears throat> but that little verse is the sole reason that we had to start this series in chapter 2, in verse 13. Some of you remember last week, verse 13. Some of you tried to forget last week in, in verse 13. But this whole idea of submission, it's something that we, we really struggle with. We don't want to hear about submission. So he says, likewise, in the same way, you wives. And then he continues, then, even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives. Wow, this is awesome. How you live your life will speak volumes to the people without any words. It's how you live your life. And they will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. And then he continues with the ladies for four more verses, and then he gets to verse 7, and here's what he says. This very same, it's a, it's a good, it's a strong phrase, in the same way, in the very same way. Now, all the ladies said, Amen. So what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Y'all with me? What's good for the goose is good for the gander. Likewise, in the same way, in the same way wives, now he says in the very same way, in the same way that I'm talking to you wives, in the very same way husbands must give honor to your wives. So there's that phrase, in the same way. It's important. Why is it important? Because it's repeated. And in the Bible, repetition is one of those ways that God has to reveal the importance of things. And so we started off chapter 3 with, in the same way, you wives. And then he shifts to the husbands, and he says, in the same way, you husbands. It's a key phrase to the whole passage. In fact, I would say this, is that you're never really going to understand marriage. You're never going to really understand relationships if you don't understand what he means by, in the same way. So he says, verse 7, in the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are. Been a lot of arguing over that over the years, haven't it? Women want to stand up right now and say, who are you talking about? Who you say is weak? And he's not talking about mentally. He's not talking about emotionally. In fact, I would probably say that my wife, mentally and probably emotionally, is much more stronger than me. When it comes to pain, I look at the things my wife has been through in her life, you know, the physical stuff that she's been through, and I think I am a wimp compared to her. But generally speaking, and I say generally speaking, Men, physically, generally speaking, are, are stronger than, than women, or it used to be that way. I mean, I'm in the gym now, and there's this one girl, and I've been knowing her for a long time, and so she's such a smarty britches. And so I'll go in, and she'll say, hey, hey, you want to train legs with me today? And I say the same thing every single time. No. I am not going to get on the leg press machine and have you make me look silly. Like I'm, you know, like I'm a kindergartner or something. Like it's my first day in the gym. I mean, there was a time, and I think all those women are on steroids. I'm just going to tell you right now. Because <laughs> it ain't natural. Y'all with me? Generally speaking, physically, women are weaker. 
ladies, you're going to love this, but she is your, what kind of partner? Can you say it one more time? It's awesome, isn't it? Equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should. So your prayers will not be hindered. I looked up that word hindered in the Greek. It means to stop. It means to block. It means to impede. Are you getting it? So there is a warning for men. A warning. Women get six verses. Men get one verse. Women get six verses because let's be honest, women are a lot more detailed than men are. Hello? I mean, you want to know who, what, when, where, and why. Do you not? Absolutely. Karen can ask more questions than anybody I have ever seen in all of my life. I mean, she can ask questions about things. I, I wouldn't even know how to ask the question. I can be on the phone with somebody. She'll say, you need to call so-and-so, okay, and ask them about thus and such, and I will. And I'm on the phone, and I think I'm doing a really good job, and there she is over in the background, like my cheerleader, saying, now ask them. Now make sure that you ask. Don't forget. And there's been times she's next door. I've wanted to say, here, you talk to him. If I'm not doing a good job, maybe you need to be the one to talk to him. So women are very detail-oriented, and so they get more verses. So men get one verse. It's short and sweet, but it comes with a threat. Hey, you want your prayers answered? You better treat your woman right. That's kind of in the Greek. It's kind of there. (laughs) Women get details. Men get threats. I'm not exactly sure what that means, but it can't be good for men. I'm just saying. So he says to ladies, he says, if any of your husbands, if they don't know God, if they haven't come to a place yet where they've been willing to fully surrender their lives to Jesus, they haven't bought into the whole Jesus story yet, then they're going to be won over, not by your words. It's, it's not going to be what you say. It's going to be how you live. It's going to be how you live your life, that you'll live your life in such a way, in such a beautiful way, that these men are actually drawn to Jesus through how you live. So there's no pressures, ladies, heaven and hell weighs in the balance. But no pressure, right? So I guess some historical context would, uh, would be helpful. So this is really important that you understand this. This is, this is written to Christians around the year 62 A.D. So that's about 30 years after Jesus rose from the dead. And it's really important because here's what I want you to know. It's Christi- Christianity is brand new. It's brand spanking new. Now, the one thing about Christianity, they didn't have the New Testament yet. They were literally writing the New Testament, okay? I want to make sure you understand that. So Christianity is brand new, but they did have one powerful element they would say, listen, they had eyewitnesses that said, we, we, we want you to understand that Jesus was the Son of God. You know how we know? Because they put him in a borrowed tomb. He was there for three days. But on that third day, he was raised from the dead. We, we saw him with our own eyes. Jesus is alive. And the resurrection makes all the difference in the world. But Christianity was a threat. It was a threat to the government. It was a threat to the emperor, Nero in particular. So Nero was threatened by the rise of Christianity. And so he was having literally Christians put to death, burned at the stake. 
And it was in this time that there were these women who gave their life to Jesus, but they had been married. This was after they had already been married. So what he's saying is this. He says, some of these men have, have not given their lives to Jesus yet. You're living with a man who hasn't bought into the message of Jesus. So I want you to live your lives in such a way as if they'll be drawn to Jesus. Maybe their husbands just didn't have enough information yet. Again, it's brand new. Christianity's brand new. They couldn't say, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians. Oh, yeah, well, by the way, Peter said. James, on the other hand, said they didn't have that. So Christianity is brand new. And so maybe for these men, they were thinking, you know what? We just haven't, we don't have enough information yet. We're not like totally against. We just don't know enough yet. Maybe, maybe they were skeptical. Maybe that was the problem. Maybe some of them said, you know what? Listen, <laughs> we've heard about your God, that your God was the creator of the heavens and the earth and everything that is, is because of him and he spoke it into existence. And we've heard, we've heard that God so loved the world. We understand that. We've heard that, that he so loved the world that he gave his son on the cross. We understand the power of the resurrection. We hear what you're saying. What we don't get, however, is how this God who is all powerful and is supposed to love the world, why would he allow something like this to happen to his very own kids? It doesn't sound to me like a very loving heavenly father. Maybe some of them had lost their wives. Maybe there was a knock on their door in the middle of the night and, and there were soldiers there and they arrested their wives and they took them off and maybe they were Maybe they were put in a lion's den. Maybe they were eaten by lions. Maybe they were burned at the stake. And, and so it's a difficult time. Maybe they were just angry at God. I'm not sure. But for whatever reason, they were not followers of Jesus. And so Peter says, Peter's given these ladies, really he's given them a strategy for evangelism. He's, he's laying out this process that by which they could win their husbands to the Lord. Now let's go back and see how he finishes up his instruction to the wives. He says this, I don't want you to be concerned with this outward beauty thing. So evidently, physical attraction was a big day, was a big thing in their day as well. Don't be concerned about outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. So this next statement, I should have had them put on the screen. I apologize. It's awesome. You probably want to take notes. As you take notes, you might want to make sure you write this down. And so here's, here's what you need to know. You don't have to be a hottie with a body to win your husband to the lottie. That's good stuff right there. <laughs> I'm just saying. And then he goes on. He said, you should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within. Every time I read that, I think about Andy Griffith. Y'all ever seen the Andy Griffith? And Andy's trying to fix, I was it Gomer or Barney? I don't remember one of them up with a girl. And they said, what's she look like? Well, she's nice. <laughs> she's real nice. Dog ugly, but she's real nice, you know. I think about that when I read this verse, Lord forgive me. You should close yourself and says with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, this, which is so precious to God. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. Wow. We don't, we don't see that. We don't hear that in our culture. 
It's not about working on the inside. It's about working on the outside. It's about going to the gym. It's about finding a nutritionist. It's about, it's, it's about another beauty product. They put their trust in God and accepted the authority. Ooh, the authority of their husbands. It's so easy for us to get uh, duped by the, super, by the superficial. I love this lady. Her name was Karen. I love this lady in this, this video. Did you, did you pick up on that verse of Scripture? 1 Samuel 16, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that y'all look at. You know, he, he said, yeah, well, you, you guys, you... Humans, tend to, they tend to look at the outward appearance. He says, but you know what? There's more to, the, to it, a person, than the outward appearance. God, God looks at the heart. I'm just saying that the temptation for us in this culture is to look at external beauty. But as you grow older, you will realize that beauty fades. Beauty fades and weight shifts. This is going to be hard for y'all to believe, but there was a time I wouldn't have been able to wear this. My chest was so big. It was massive, and it fell right to my belly. I'm just saying, over time, that's what happens. Beauty fades and weight shifts. Proverbs 31 says it like this. I want to make sure that I give you a really good foundation for what I'm saying. That it's not just said in the New Testament, but it's also said in the Old Testament. Proverbs 31, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears in the Lord, she shall be praised. I'm just saying that beauty fades unless you are my beautiful wife. It is true. Amen. If she's listening, can y'all say it? It's going to be a good afternoon for me. But for the rest of us, it's coming. You know, find something deeper. Find something on the inside. True beauty comes, it comes from the heart. It doesn't make the physical unimportant. It's not that the physical's not important. Being in shape is important. It's good. It's just not the most important thing. So in verse 3, it says, your beauty should not come from outward adornment. And I'm, but I'm not saying, please hear me, I'm not saying it's bad to wear makeup. I remember I thought about this, and I didn't put it in my notes. I did say it in the first service. I think I may grace you with it as well. I remember hearing an old preacher say one time, ladies, it's okay to, to wear makeup. An old barn looks a lot better with a fresh coat of paint. <clears throat> an old preacher said that a long time ago. I'm just repeating what he said. I disagree with it, of course. I mean, you know, I disagree with it. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, uh, with, with you know, a new hairdo. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having some style. That's not necessarily bad. We can get a little crazy with style sometimes, I'm just saying, and reveal way too much. It's not bad to be in shape. In fact, it's a good thing to be in shape. And, but just remember that this outward beauty thing, it is going to fade. These bodies are going to age. You cannot stop it. No matter how hard you try, you're going to get older. In fact, Paul said to young Timothy, he said this. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, he said, Bodily exercise, it, it does profit. 
it does profit a man a little. There's some benefits to, to being in shape. I can live longer. I'm healthier. I'm, I have more vitality and strength to be able to, to serve God. I mean, I can go on in it with this and, and make it super, super spiritual. But here's the problem. You can't major on that. And that's what Paul's telling Timothy. He said bodily exercise it does profit a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having the promise of life that, is, that now is and of that which is to come. So I have to ask this question. How much time do you spend in the morning getting your outside ready versus how much time do you spend in the morning getting your soul ready for the day? Let that sink in for just a second. How much time? No kidding. And I'm not trying to be legalistic, you know. I'm not trying to say necessarily that you spend an hour in the morning getting the outside, the physical ready, that you need to spend an hour getting the soul ready. But here's what I am saying. You cannot, you cannot forget the inside. You can't forget the soul. That's why I start my morning with Jesus. I need him to get me through the day. And so I do get up at a crazy time of the morning, and, and he and I just hang out. And we just hang out, and I just love hanging out with him, and, and I give him space just to speak. I need him. I can't do it without him. I need, I need to give the world the best version of my soul. And I didn't realize until really just a few months ago, I guess, uh, in the last year or so, and the gym has always been, it's just always been like a mission field for me. And, and I don't go in with a Bible and wave it. And I don't go in, I'm preacher. Come talk to me about Jesus. I don't, I don't wear that shirt. And in fact, you know, it, it took a while for us to build relationships. And slowly, you know, I, now I get to tell people about the Lord. And it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. And somebody said something to me. You know, they said, I said, well, who, who told you I was a pastor? And they, they said, well, you know what? We can just tell you. I mean, you, you just walk in with such a positive attitude. I, I remember literally one of the trainers told me one time. I think he was just blowing smoke and wanting my money. But he said, you know, the gym, I think we, there's just a different atmosphere when you're here. And it's not because I'm certainly anything special. But I want my soul. I, I, want my, I want to have the best version of my soul that I can put out there. So that when people look at me, it's not that I have the Jesus t-shirt on and, and I'm, you know, doing holy water, whatever. I mean, they, it's just simply that they look and they say, you're different. What is it? What is it about you that makes you different? It's not necessarily wrong to care about fashion, to care about the externals, but you have to make sure that you're not neglecting the soul because that's where the true beauty comes from. And I guess that that is... Maybe why that uh, I still believe that my wife is still the most beautiful woman in the world. Because so I know who she is when no one else is looking I know the character that she walks with, the integrity that she, that she carries with her everywhere she goes. That must be the reason that I think that she's so beautiful. No, nah, she's just hot. <laughs> she's just hot. You know, I got to thinking about this whole process of, of getting in shape spiritually. 
I compared that and thought about the whole idea of physically getting in shape. And, and the thought you know, crossed my mind. You know, have you ever noticed that gyms don't offer one-day memberships? Have you, ever, have you ever noticed that? Now, I remember if you're old enough, I remember way back in the day when they would offer like two-year, you had to sign a two-year commitment. Anybody old enough to remember way back in the day? And, and I think they stopped that. They stopped that because, honestly, nobody was signing up, right? Nobody wanted to be able to sign a two-year commitment. I don't know if I can commit for two years. I don't know if I'm going to be in that long. And so it would be awesome. I mean, nobody's ever like walked into the gym on January the 1st at 250 pound at 35% body fat and walked out at a buck 80, 10% body fat. It's never happened. It's not like, dude, what was your workout? It must have been awesome. Look at you. Look at these abs. I got them in an hour. I walked in all blubber. Look at me now. I don't have to go back. It was a one-and-done deal for me. I paid a one-time, one-day membership, and look at me. I think that the same thing is true in the spiritual world, as just like it takes time in the, in the physical world, right? And so I know people in the gym, I know bodybuilders that have literally said, they've said, you know what, I'm not really competing. I'm not just thinking about what I'm going to look like today or next year. It says, I know that my muscles, it's going to take time to grow these muscles and for them to mature. I'm looking at, at maybe several years. It's going to be several years from now before I will be able to be at this weight. And the same thing holds true spiritually. Spiritually, it's not a one and done kind of deal. Those guys that are in the gym, do you think they enjoy going to the gym every day? Some of them have to, to push through. It's about having a diet that you stick to every day, not just every now and again. It's about commi being committed to, to, uh, you know, to aerobic training. It's about being committed to weight training. It's about being committed to a diet. And it's about doing that over the long haul. And the very same principles apply spiritually. There's some days when it's tough. There have been days for me, and I would get up and I'd say, hello, Jesus, it's me and you. It's 4.30. And about 4.31, my eyes are crossing. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? And there's been times for me when I would go through such a difficult time and I would pray so hard, and I certainly wasn't tempted to go to sleep, and so I would agonize literally for hours in prayer. And I would beg God to show up because I didn't see him anywhere, and and I've learned that it's consistency over the long haul. What do you do when you don't feel anything? I tell you what, you keep praying. That's what you do. You keep praying. You don't give up praying. You just keep praying. What do you do? You stay in the Word. You don't quit uh, reading the Bible. You, you stay into it. You get into it deeper. You want to know more. You want to you hunger. You want to thirst for it more. And so you do. And, then, and so then it's about worship. And worship for me, why is worship so important? Because worship allows me to focus on God and not me. It allows me to see God for how big he is. It reminds me, like we talked about this morning, as they sang about this morning, the power of the cross and the power of the blood and, and what the power of the blood is done for me and that I'm free I need that and so every morning I get up and every morning I try to be faithful and then after a period of time and Lord only knows how much time that can be but after a period of time suddenly you go wow you know I, I, I don't I don't lose my temper quite as much as I used to. I was yesterday, I was in the gym yesterday, and there's a, a new friend that I made, and, uh, 
And so I, I was, did my elliptical. Yesterday was just cardio for me. And so he was over on the treadmill, and I just went over and got on the treadmill beside him. And I thought, this would be a great opportunity. I'll do a little more cardio, and he and I can just engage. And we did, and we had a, a great talk. And he said, you know what? There are certain things that I have to do. And he said, you know what? I have to do these things seven days a week. If I don't do these seven days a week, you know what? I'm an angry man. But these are the things that I do. When I do them and I'm faithful to them, then that I'm not as angry. And it may be that somebody will look at you and say, you know what, you're not the person that you used to be. You're a lot more sympathetic. You have a lot more, you take a lot more time with people. You have a lot more care for people, a lot more love for people. You know what, you're patient with people. You used to be so impatient. You used to just want to choke people most of the time. You wanted to kill that guy at work. You, you wanted to, you know, move out of the neighborhood or you wanted your neighbor to move out of the neighborhood. And now you seem to be so much more patient, so much more kind. Some people will say, oh, it's just getting old. No, it's not. It's about God doing a work in your life over the long haul as you continue to be faithful to the disciplines that matter. And that's where true beauty comes from. Eugene Peterson wrote a book entitled, and the title says it all, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. It's just daily perseverance. It's daily soul prep. It's daily training for the soul. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 says it like this. Don't lose heart. I told you, man, that, that spiritual training stuff. Sometimes in doing good, sometimes you get wore out and you get, and you get bothered and you get, and, you get, uh, and you get wore out. And he said, therefore, don't lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And so outwardly we're getting wrinkles and crepe skin. Y'all know what crepe skin is? I didn't know until a few years ago. I was minding my own business. I think Karen and I, I don't know if we were at the beach. I don't know if we were at the lake. I don't know exactly where we were, but I do remember this. I remember I had on my, my little swimsuit, and I remember I crossed my legs, and I looked down, and I went, ah! Karen said, baby, what's wrong? And I said, look at this. Something's happened. I got a disease. Look at my skin. It's, my skin is doing something. And I thought, you know, it's losing weight. It's almost, you know how to fix crepe skin? Get fat. <laughs> Stretch that stuff out. Outwardly, we're fading. The older you get, the harder it is to stay in shape. But here's what's beautiful. The beautiful thing is that our, is that our inward person is actually being renewed Every day, we're, we're getting better, more beautiful, more stunning, more gorgeous on the inside. It's a, it's a beautiful principle. Don't focus on the outside. Don't focus on the outside. Listen, if you put all of your energy, all of your money, all of your time, if you put all of that into the outside, you're just throwing money away. You're going to get crepe skin just like me. And I hope you do. I'm just kidding. But on the inside. As you walk with Jesus, as you, as, you, as you do this beautiful thing, deepen your relationship with Him. He begins to change you on the inside. There are literally people I know. I have watched God change.
I went with my younger, youngest daughter a few months ago. We were having lunch together, and we we're just talking about Jesus. And, uh, and I looked, and the tears were just streaming down her face. She was crying. And I looked at her. It might have been a tear or two in my eye, I'm not sure. And she looked at me and said, it's your fault. Now, now I'm like you. Here's what she said. She said, you know what, Dad? There was a time when literally I didn't cry. I didn't cry. And she said, now I tried to I drop a hat. There was one Sunday and somebody took a picture of it. And it was just, it was, it was Karen and, and me and it was the two girls. And we we're right over here. It was just, it was during worship. And we were all holding hands. Just worshiping together, and I looked. And I saw that inward beauty, that thing that God was doing on the inside, working its way out. Beautiful. So we jumped into this text this morning. I pointed out the phrase that was repeated in the same way, in the same way wives, in the same way husbands. So which way is the same way? I really didn't answer the question, did I? You'll know why now. <laughs> According to the NIV application commentary, this is entirely consistent with his agenda in 1 Peter chapter 2. That Christians should live such holy lives so that nothing can be lodged against the gospel because of their behavior. And then, and then he, this commentary says this, and any insults they receive, it would be the result of injustice. It would be somebody lying on them. It wouldn't be their lives. That their lives would be so phenomenal, so loving, so kind, so gentle, that literally people would be drawn to Jesus. If you remember from last week, he was very specifically referring to submitting to all human authority. Remember from last week? Probably tried to forget last week, right? Here's what, here's what the Holy Spirit spoke to me this week. It's probably something you've already known, and it's not that I didn't know it somehow, but I needed to say it out loud. Is there, there is no submission without humility. I went, wow. Wait a minute. I can't submit to God as long as I want to be in the driver's seat. I can't. As long as I want to be in charge of my life, there is no submission. It's only when I humble myself before Him and say, God, I can't. You can. I'm going to let you. Whatever it is you want to do, I'm just going to surrender to you. You know better than me. And even when I don't understand what you're doing, I'm still going to trust you anyway. And then you know what? It's also in that. You cannot get out of, the, out of the Bible without understanding that it's not just submission to God. It's learning with us, learning as followers of Jesus how to submit to each other. And we stink at that. Jesus was the perfect example, was he not? Matthew 26, verse 38, starting with verse 38. My soul, this is the words of Jesus. This is the prayer of Jesus. My soul, one translation will say, exceedingly sorrowful unto death. My soul is overwhelmed 
with sorrow to the point of death. So he looks at his best friends and says, boys, here's all I need for you to do. Stay here with me and pray. That's all I'm asking. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Now that's total submission. And our first call is total submission to God. It's a full surrender. Come on. I'm not talking about, I'm just going to submit when it's good for me to submit. That's not what I'm talking about. It's a full surrender of my life. And then it's learning how to do that thing with each other. You know, great marriages, great marriages are when a husband and wife look at each other and husbands look at their wives and say, you know what, I've been called to submit to you. And, and you have. Go back to Ephesians 5, verse 21. Be subject to one another. Be in submission to one another out of reverence and fear of the Lord. But I can't do that if I'm doing it for my sake or Karen's doing it for Karen's sake. It's as we learn and understand the principles of Scripture and that we do that, we submit for God's sake. And this beautiful thing begins to happen in relationships that we die to ourselves and we're able to look at another human being and say, you know what? It's not about my agenda. It's not about what I want. It's about what you need. It's about respecting each other, learning how to submit to each other. So, are you more concerned about the outward or the physical, or are you, are you concerned about the soul? And if you're concerned about the soul, if you say, yeah, I care about my soul, then what are you doing to feed your soul? What are you doing? Nothing nothing will ever be a substitute for time spent with Him. Nothing. Church is awesome and there's a place for church and you should be here. But listen, it ain't enough. We can't, I can't feed you for the whole week. You gotta be feeding every day off of Scripture, the bread of God's Word, the water of life that comes from knowing Jesus intimately how are you doing maybe you're here this morning you're not a follower of Jesus maybe the reason why is because you don't just really you don't want to submit it's interesting sometimes that non-Christians know more about God and understanding what it takes to have a relationship with God than sometimes we as Christians know that we can you know what's so called play church and feel good about it and, and non-Christians look at us and go how you can't how you can't do that so maybe the reason that you're not a follower of Jesus is you've never really been willing to submit to God. And maybe the reason that you're here this morning is because of how you feel inside. Maybe you'd say, you know what? I feel rotten and I feel dead inside. There's an emptiness, a rottenness. It's nasty. Well, you're exactly right. Ephesians 2 says this, once you were dead because of your disobedience because of your sin you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world obeying the devil the commander of the powers of this unseen world and the reason that you feel dead and that you feel empty is because you are dead inside because of the heaviness of guilt and the shame of your own sin I said this last week I want to say it again you know where freedom comes from 
Freedom comes from submission. Freedom comes when I say, I'm wore out. I've been trying to do this on my own. I've been trying to get better on my own, and I, I, can't, I can't get better. The more harder I try, the worse I get. And, and then I do good for a while, and then I slide, and I've tried to do relationships, and I screw that up too, and I'm just, I'm a mess. And freedom comes when you say, God, so I'm going to give this to you. You take it. And I'm going to trust that you know more than I know. And I'm just, I'm just going to follow you. I'm going to give you my whole heart, surrender to you fully, every day to the best of my ability. And I'm going to watch as you do something beautiful on the inside of me. If you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus, but you like to be. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Maybe you just pray a prayer or something like this. You would just say, Lord, the very thing that I've put off doing, the very thing that I've dreaded doing is the very thing I need. I, I need to give up control. Me being in control is not working out very well. I'm not a good boss of me. So, God, this morning, I want to fully surrender my life to you. I know I'll be a work in progress. Change doesn't happen overnight. But I want to submit to you. I'm telling you that I believe in you. Jesus, I cannot fathom the kind of love that it took for you to endure the cruelty of the cross. And I believe that you're alive and well. So I'm asking you to forgive me and I'm surrendering my life to you. Lord, thank you for you know, the power of your word. Lord, it is so true for those of us that are getting older that no matter how hard we try, these, these physical bodies, they are going, they're going to age. Things are going to shift. We're not going to be able to do physically the things that we used to do. We're not going to be as strong as we were when we were young. But the beautiful thing is, is that, Lord, on the inside, we can become more beautiful every day as we learn this sweet principle of submission to you first. But, Lord, even learning how to submit to others. Thank you for the truth. We love you. It's in your sweet name we pray.